Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Bunkhouse. I'm your host, John. If you guys have been following the show lately, last couple episodes, you know I was in the process of retiring early due to some medical stuff. Um, I since have retired. Uh, my, re my actual retirement date was May 31st. On this episode, I'm going to have a group of guests come on. They're from the show, The Phoenix Cast. I'll make sure and have their information inside the show notes as well, so you can follow them and look their show up. So, on to the show. All right, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Bunkhouse. So this episode is going to be the first one ever that I have one multiple guests and two that I have active duty service members as well. All right, so we have two retirees, including myself now, because it's my first one as a retiree too, and then two active duty. So I have with me John Schreiner, I have Kyle and Rich, and then if I would go ahead and have you guys um, introduce yourselves and kind of give a little background on you. Absolutely. Hey, I'll, I'll kick things off. Uh, this is John. Uh, just a reminder that uh, John and Rich uh, are active duty Marines, but the opinions expressed on this cast are our own, not official military policy. Got to get that out of the way quick. Absolutely. Uh, keep it flowing. Uh, so I am an active duty Marine. I've been in the Marine Corps, give or take 20 years. I am a Lieutenant Colonel cyberspace officer, a former communications officer, and served all throughout the Marine Air Ground Task Force, Air Command Element, Schoolhouse, and also some uh, joint and other uh, different duties. Yeah, I'll pick it up from there. Um, so my career slash background kind of sounds very similar to John, uh, except that uh, I did take a pit, uh, pit stop in uh, about 2012, so at my nine-year mark in the Marine Corps, and decided to go to uh, the reserve component, mostly because uh, I was getting married um, and decided we wanted to, to get out and have a family. But at the same time, I was super nerdy, still wanted to stay tech, didn't want to hang up the tree suit. Uh, so I got a job working at Amazon.com uh, up Very in small yeah, Washington. Yep, yeah, yep, small startup. I mean, yep. stay one over there all the time, right? Um, so... Then, uh, but as I mentioned, I, I stayed in the reserve component and uh, just just really wanted to serve uh, and, and continue to do that. And so, long story short, uh, got, ended up getting a phone call uh, in about 2018 to come back onto active duty as a mobilized reservist to just kind of help out with tech initiatives at this place we like to call Marine Corps Forces Cyberspace Command. Uh, and then liked it so much uh, after the year that I had there. Uh, I called my leadership up at Amazon and asked them if they wouldn't mind uh, if I went back on active duty for a while. Uh, they laughed and said, nope, we don't mind, but we'll uh, make sure to hire somebody uh, in your stead while you're out. Uh, so I think it worked out for both of us, but I'm having a blast now on active duty uh, as a cyberspace officer. Uh, and yeah, former commo uh, by trade and now 1702. Which is a cyberspace officer for the civilian listeners. And I will round out the third wheel of our trifecta here. My name is Kyle Moschetto. Uh, I am a former chief warrant officer, cyber network operations officer in the United States nice. Marine Corps. Got out just before 12 years when all the cool kids do and uh, <laughs> have spent my time helping customers figure out and adopt 
cloud technology, automation, security, and compliance, and lots of the uh, sexy and unsexy parts of modern enterprise IT operations for people who want to uh, nerd good in some way, shape, or form. Um, I've sort of bounced around between medium-sized startups and larger enterprises. I uh, ran my own consulting business for a couple years that my wife still runs and uh, worked at this really tiny company called uh, Google that you might've searched on Bing for once or twice. And uh, now work for largest partner for Google Cloud in North America, helping all of the very large people, or very large customers with lots of people figure out how they're gonna do Google Cloud technology. And I also moonlight running a podcast on cybersecurity. Actually, all three of you. Good podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever heard Active Duty, they always you look around and you see the chief one officers, and they have the funny ranks, and you ask, "What do those guys do?" And they're like, "Hey, we we keep the unrestricted officers going from going completely off the rails." Uh, that's what Kyle is here for. He keeps right. uh, Rich right. and I from like taking the train right off the tracks. That's yeah. right. At least, at least from a technical standpoint. <laughs> yeah, and so I'll kind of go give a little intro to my, myself as well for you guys as as my guest. So. I was in the Marine Corps up until uh, May 31st of this year. So after 16 Congratulations, years, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, 16 years, I got, I was feeling unfit on a medical board. So had to do some early retirement, which is okay. I think I'm always a big proponent of saying that everything always happens for a reason. And so I just go with the flow and move on to my next chapter. And I'm pretty happy with it. So came in as an 0656 back then, a tactical data network operator right that's right oh six fifty six for life yeah i was one of those and then became a 51 (laughs) by because the marine corps said so (laughs) with no formal training Uh uh-huh that sounds about right yep and then force modernization happened and became a 79 as a staff sergeant and then got selected to warrant officer in on the uh, fy18 board and so retired as a chief warrant officer too and i always tell people i'm just an old rodeo cowboy from north carolina and if i can do it Anybody can do IT. You just got to want it, right? That's all it is. You just got to want it. So I am just super sad that none of the youngins <laughs> get a chance to experience the panic and or awkwardness that is a officer showing up to the fleet and being like, what's the difference between a 51 and a 56? And then oh. like you see a bunch of Marines like look around and they're like, they know that nobody knows the answer to this question. That, that there, it is unanswerable uh, because it doesn't have an answer. Uh, well, but the, the only answer is about five digits. That's that's literally yeah. <laughs> the exact answer to the question that is accurate Pretty is much. about five. Digits. And, and yeah. most of us were issued a hand with five fingers and we could at least get there. That's right. Um, but yeah, that was that was the end of the sense that Matt, that made. Yeah. And then if, if, there, if this tells you any difference too between restricted officers and unrestricted officers, at least in the Marine Corps, is the two restricted are retired on the show right now and the two that are unrestricted are still active service. I, I, point, I will, point I, of clarification yeah, I, I okay none of the two of you is a quitter okay. we will yeah. just <laughs> let the audience figure out which one <laughs> yes yes but what little, i will say little is do you know we have moved on we that's have, right we, we, get, that's we right. have grown-up jobs now <laughs> no. well you know what i never have to deal with anymore for for everyone listening on the show just so that john and rich can experience it. i never have to deal with a leave request and i never no, have to yeah. deal with dts or logging into Marine Online. And so I feel like my life is richer for it. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. These are fair points. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I, like I said, I went out of town, man. The wife did this past weekend. And oh, by the way, who, who guessed it? Who, I didn't tell anyone. It was great. Yeah. Wait a, wait a minute. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you did this without filling no, out paperwork? Nobody had no approval <laughs> to do this and just yeah. left. Just it left. It was great. 
And oh, by the way, nobody calls me after 1630 during the week. I, I cannot at all say that anymore. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Get, I get more calls now after 1630 than I ever did in the military. So, oh, you know, yeah. everybody makes choices. I've maybe made yeah. bad ones, but it, yeah. but here we are. <laughs> or your um, phone number will finally populate in your company's address book and then it'll never <laughs> stop ringing. One of the two. I, I did yeah. go a few months at my company where they gave me this like free Google voice number. And that was what was associated with me. Oh, and nice. people were like, I called you and I didn't, you didn't call me back. And I was like, that's weird. My phone number rang. And it took me like months to figure out <laughs> that it's because they'd given me this rando number that was in the company directory. So then I replaced that with my actual number and, and I've never slept since. So it's all good. Yeah. That's, I mean, I guess it really depends on what your, what your position is too. See, I do more yeah. of a consulting kind of thing. So I, I am a network engineer, but I support the DOD through a other organization. So it's kind of nice. So based off of your time in the Marine Corps or just in the military in general, right? And then Rich, I think you can give a really good position on going over to the the reserve side and then deciding to come back active, right? Like what are some things that you took during your time in service that helped you get to where you are today? Right. Not, and, and even if you're still in, there's still some things that helped out that you learned early on in your career that can get you where you are today and that can get you probably further on after that. And then maybe even help some young Marines, whether it be enlisted or even young officers, kind of help make that decision on if they want to continue or if they do decide to get out. Because I always tell people that's probably the bigger decision, in my opinion. That's the harder decision to make is to say, hey, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and end this chapter of my life and then start an, another chapter. And doing that because you totally 100 percent. Like Kyle, 100%, you made that decision. Like me, I I kind of got to make that decision a little bit, right? But I get I got to choose what I wanted to do next, not necessarily when I wanted to do it next, right? Yep. But if you could get, just kind of give some pointers on what the things that you've taken to help you get where you are today. Yeah, so I'll start off and then I'm going to actually break this in two if it works. So let's break it in two. So I'll take the first chunk of hey, what helped get you to where you are now? And then we'll kind of go around the horn and then we'll come back for the second question of, uh, of what helps you make your decision to stay in or something like that. So Sounds good. from a what helps me get to where I am now standpoint, two things I think are humility and a comfort in the uncomfortable. Because it, at least in the Marine Corps, rarely or l- lucky are you, who shows up to the assignment prepared. And it's not because we're not professionals. It's not because we don't try. It's because life just happens or we are never prepared for the war that we end up fighting or whatever you want to look at, right? Uh, I deployed to Iraq my first time. I was in charge of the biggest telephone rollout that I am aware of that the DOD had done deployed. So I was like in charge of all telephone things. I did not know what a T1 was. Literally never heard of one of those things before. Uh, wholly unqualified for the position that I found myself in. And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to figure this out because as a Marine Corps officer, I don't think we have any other choice than to rise to the occasion. Uh, So with that scoop of humility, I went to my Marines and I said, hey, I don't don't know this stuff. I will learn quickly. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions and we're going to learn as we go along here. And I just, I hit the books and I hit the books hard. I listened to the Marines. I trusted them. uh, And I also didn't just sit back and let them know how great they were and how much I admired them uh, on my way to, you know, do a couple bicep curls uh, and and schmooze with the higher ups. It was very much a, hey, 
we are going to get nose to the grindstone and figure out what the Delta is between where I'm at and where I need to be. Um, and you should take a decent amount of humility in there. And I think a lot of people don't want to do that, especially senior officers want to kind of like shroud themselves in this, Hey, uh, I'd rather say nothing and not let them find out that I don't know what's going on. And I would highly recommend that you not do that. Marines are going to figure this stuff out anyways. So you may as well just be straight with them on where you're at and say, Hey, I'm going to dive into this thing head first. We're going along for the journey. I don't think you'll lose any credibility that way. Uh, maybe even gain some, although, you know, it all depends. Um, and just get after it. Uh, so be humble and just be ready to get thrown into anything. If you try to over-prepare, I think that could get inside of your OODA loop and you won't be able to catch up because you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get so ready for this. You're going to be thrown something else. And then it throws you completely off your game. If you just prepare yourself for the fact that you are going to be unprepared and get ready to deal with it, uh, I think those are the two biggest things you can do. Yes, a thousand no, times, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I think I think you hit it right on the head there, John, um, talking about having some humility and being completely honest up front with the Marines around you and saying, hey, look, I don't know these things. Um, I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I learned, too, right, is, is coming in and saying, like, I, I may not know this. I always try to learn something from everyone, regardless if it's Lance Corporal, whoever, or Lieutenant Colonel, whoever. It doesn't matter. I'm always going to try to learn something because of their experiences may not be the same as mine or probably I would try to say most likely not the same as mine. And they, they 100% could know something that I don't know just based off of experience alone. Right. So no, absolutely. Yeah. Great I think, um, yeah, yeah. I'll pick up from that. I think that was a really good transition from John, um, you know, and you mentioning, you're just being honest with your Marines, right. And being honest with the people around you. Hey, I'll carry that forward and just say like, you need to be honest with yourself. Right. And, and I think that's really what I want to add to the conversation. So when I transitioned out, um, you know, I had, I had done a couple of deployments to a combat zone. Like I felt like, you know, when I joined the Marine Corps, which is back in 2003, um, I was in college when 9-11 happened, you know, on an ROTC scholarship. Um, and, uh, so it was like super fortunate. One of the first people from my family that got to go to school, uh, where, where somebody else was paying for it, even though the Marine Corps definitely is uh, getting theirs out of me, uh, as, as they did with you gentlemen. But, uh, uh, I'll say this much, um, you know, when it came time for me to transition out, as I mentioned, you know, I met my wife, we decided we want to have family. Um, I, I just kept asking myself, you know, why can't I serve and do something else at the same time? Right. And so I think, John, you know, when you talked about like, is there anything you, I can offer potentially from the reserve side of the house is, you know, the reserves or being a reservist in, in, in the armed services, especially in the Marine Corps, is what you make of it, Right. So when, when I transitioned out, I thought to myself, like, hey, I could probably serve and um, probably get a job working in the tech sector and learn a bunch of stuff that I, I wasn't going to pick up in the Marine Corps or just, just wouldn't learn by self-training uh, while in the Marine Corps. So, uh, you know, my time in the reserves, I just treated it like I was still on active duty, but I was going to work making a ton more money. Um, and, and like the guy that I sat next to, I'll leave his name out because I didn't ask his permission before, I, before I talked on the cast today, but, um, suffice to say, he wrote the book literally on windows server, at least 2008 and moving forward. And that guy sat next to me in my cubicle. So he forgot more about, you know, 
Windows security from like a, a you know root policy object blah 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 perspective than than I'll ever remember. And just learning from him day in and day out, I, I just thought to myself, like, man, this is stuff that I wish I could have had previously on deployments because sitting in a systems control center with one of your sergeants, right, or one of your staff sergeants, or even a chief warrant officer or warrant officer, I could have been that much more valuable, like by picking up an oar and actually doing something. Now, that said, you know, I think both you, you and Kyle would say, maybe we don't want the unrestricted officer picking up any oars, unless they're like the ones you get when you, you know, get your going away gift. And it's like really cool. It's like a recon oar with some, some 550 cord on it. Um, but anyhow, um, okay. yeah, anyhow, off on a rant there, but I would just say like, know yourself and define your own journey in the, in the service, specifically the Marine Corps, if you're a Marine, but, you know, and then in the private sector and, you know, if somebody tells you your path or your journey can't be done the way you want to do it, I would challenge that. Right. Not, not just by being a complete obstinate, you know, uninformed individual, but, because that generally doesn't work out well <laughs> for anybody, but, uh, but define your own journey. And then, you know, the, the second thing that I wanted to offer just really quick is what I learned from the Marine Corps. Um, you know, so John mentioned being, you know, comfortable being uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> from my perspective, what I can blend, I think, with my time at, at Amazon, my favorite leadership principle was, um, you know, deliver results uh, and ownership. And I think if you just own everything really aggressively, that that's what I kind of learned in the Marine Corps. You know, you you find yourself in a room where there's really hard problems to solve, uh, and, and luckily I like to 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 jump in and try to solve like really challenging problems. Um, and so that ownership piece, both from an Amazon perspective and like just the Marine Corps teaches you, like if you're asking the question, who's in charge? you're probably the person that should be in charge and just step forward and do that thing um, that you know you're supposed to do as a Marine. So uh, anyhow, sorry for the long-winded kind of uh, wrap up there, guys, but uh, but those were the things that I kind of pulled from my time, both at Amazon and the Marine Corps. No, absolutely, Rich. Because uh, like you said, knowing yourself and so seeking self-improvement, right? I don't know that. I'm pretty sure I heard that somewhere written in a book, somewhere, <laughs> right? Um, no, you're, you're exactly right. Um, when I was a staff sergeant, I requested to go to the schoolhouse to be an instructor, to teach entry level in my MOS. And I thought I was in a really good spot. I thought I would go over there and be able to teach the Marines everything that I knew. I got there and learned really quickly. I didn't know, not even close to what I was should have known going there to teach. Um, but being able to identify that up, up front and then having some humility and getting with the rest of the instructor cadre and say, hey, look, guys, like, I don't know this stuff but I'm here to teach and I want to be the best instructor that I can be just like everybody else here. So sit down, let's, let's go over this, teach me what you guys know, how, what's the best way to teach these things, right? Stuff like that. So no, absolutely. Got to go, got to know yourself too. I'm going to jump in before, before Kyle goes, if you want a real moment of humility, like you think, you know, something stand up, in front, stand up in front of a group of Marines yes. in front <laughs> of a dry race board right. and then explain it. Yeah. Or, yes. or see if you can no, go no for slides. 60 minutes on yep. a no technical slides. topic. That's no right. slides. Yeah. Let, and whiteboard. by the way, let them ask questions. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> that will be a revelation for you. And for those of you, you know, that are going to interview in the civilian sector or will be getting out anytime soon, that is the most terrifying interview to walk into is someone walks in and goes, we're going to design some stuff and hands you the whiteboard marker. It has gotten real in about 10 seconds when someone hands you a whiteboard marker. I had one of Rich's guys 
hand me a whiteboard marker when I was interviewing at Amazon and it was brutal. Like it was fun. <laughs> I had a blast, but it was a brutal interview. I was going to say, I'd, I'd cry tears of joy. I think I'm pretty sure that guy gave me no hire. Uh, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> if I have to go back and look at that interview notes. I bet Rich could look it up. I'm 99% sure that guy gave me no hire, but that dude was smart. So I, I didn't, you know, I was like a, a, a good game, sir. was kind of the, the tip at the end. Yes, indeed. So, um, Everyone listening at home, just imagine me pulling out my soapbox, sticking it on the ground and, and taking a defined ownership of that object as I stand upon it. Um, I do a ton of speaking at military veterans events and, and mentorship towards military veterans. And this question comes up all the time for me. So forgive me if this sounds in any way rehearsed, but I do talk about this stuff all the time. There are three big reasons uh, or, or not reasons, but three big things that I think are absolutely invaluable to every single person making the transition from the military side to the civilian side. The very first, and I think the absolute foremost, is leadership. Something that we take for absolute granted in the military is that you are constantly grabbed by the back of the neck and drug or shoved towards additional leadership training, right? Like, I, I can tell you with absolute certainty, I hated going to corporal's course and sergeant's course and staff academy like all that stuff, I was just eyes rolled back in my head. I don't need this, blah, blah, blah. But I am so thankful that my NCOs and senior NCOs like kicked my butt to go to those courses. And that in officer school, we got so much more and that there's so much about the commandant's reading program and the, just the forced go be better and learn about this stuff. Because you take this for granted that when you check into your first duty station, every single formation that you are in, you've got five or six examples of leadership, right? They might be good. They might be bad, but you're seeing so many different types of leadership and you're doing it in an environment where bad leaders are absolutely ostracized, right? Like if someone stands up and does something bad, right? Everybody knows it. And that person's immediate supervisor will be held accountable for them not being good and they will be um, counseled, right? They'll be uh, taken aside and taught how to do that better. And, and it's a cultural piece of the puzzle that makes Marines what they are. And if you contrast that, and, and this is like the most basic of things, right? If you contrast that with your average person in the civilian sector, right? Who in, let's just choose tech because we're all nerds in this room, right? Like you may work at a job for five years and have two bosses, right? And there's absolutely nothing that says that that boss is good at their job of being your boss. And I'm not trying to make this sound like some scathing attack on civilian leadership or leadership in the tech community. I'm not. I'm just trying to say that the amount of hours invested in the leadership of your average sergeant is likely 10 times or more the average very senior manager at your average tech company. Let and that sink in. And Kyle, your first assignment, just like we as second lieutenants get give or take like 60 people, you have 60 people <laughs> in your first assignment as well, right? Uh, right, right. No, no, you have like four, right? And they used to be your coworkers and 99% of the opportunities, right? Where they may work for you for another decade in some situations, right? And you're still sitting with them every day and there is no chain of command to back you up. And it's just, it's hard. And so I, I, I can say that, Anyone that I have worked with in the military or I know has a military background, I instantly know will be a better leader. Like I instantly know they'll be a better manager. And, and, you know, there's lots of different outliers that you can call on here, but there's just so much more time and effort spent in developing leadership in the 
military side that when you transition to the civilian side, you absolutely should capitalize on that and take advantage of it and use those skills because you've spent a lot of time developing them. And even the most basic stuff, right? Like the Marine Corps planning process and the five paragraph order, I use every day. And people are like, wow, it's such an interesting system and it works so well. And I'm like, yep, I know. And I can take a hill if I need to also. Like, it's just, it's really, <laughs> you know, it applies to everything. And I promise you, if you literally just take the Marine Corps planning process and a five paragraph order and, and demilitarize it, right? Like decombat it, it works perfectly for all planning, project management and execution of strategy in the same side. No, there, there's absolutely. like full stop, right? It, it absolutely does, Kyle. Yeah. I just, I just yeah. actually uh, used kind of a little bit of that myself on one of my first uh, reports I, I generated at my new job. And they were yeah. like, and how did you do this? And, I, and it only took exactly. like maybe a day, right? It maybe exactly. took me a day to do it. And they're like, how did you get me all this information? I'm like, uh-huh. uh, I typed it up. <laughs> have, have a framework and it, and things things are magic. Yeah. How did you do this? Oh, smeak, sir. Oh, that's, smeak. that's right. That's right. That's right. I just smeak my way to victory here. That's it. Yeah. The, the S and BAMS, this is all I need to do. Um, so that's, that's number one is military versus civilian leadership for me. And the second one is learning methods. To John's point, uh, um, talking about admitting when you don't know something. I've never been in a room when I was in the military, you know, over a decade where someone walked in and said, I'm, I'm really confused. I don't understand this topic. I never was in a room where everyone was like, oh, well, then get out. It was always here. Come here. Let me show you. Like, let, let me teach you. Let me let me upskill you in some way. Let, let's give a hip pocket class on how to do this thing really quick so we can level you up. And I think that that amount of dedication towards always learning is something that I tried to take away as much as possible because I, I was thrown into situations often in the military where I just had to figure it out, like yeah. literally just had to figure it out. You know, like I remember when I went to Iraq, uh, I became the webmaster because they needed someone to maintain this website that the previous staff in COIC had built. That was basically like an electronic logging application. It, it was uh, based on this guy, Sinsioko, that I know John knows from the past and a bunch of other people, but I didn't know anything about web design at that moment. So I literally got on, I, I don't know if it was Amazon or like an old school version of some bookstore pre-Amazon. This is like 2004. Um, and I got MySQL for dummies and PHP for dummies. And I shipped them to myself. So it took like six weeks for me to get them because I was in Iraq and I had like read the book and taught myself PHP and MySQL so I could run this website because it was like broken and we couldn't fix it and no one else had figured it out. And that's just one of a thousand examples of where you just have to figure it out. Now, what I'll say is that I had way more time in the military to figure things out, which is something that I desperately miss today. Like I have a stack of books, you know, more than half of which I'll never get to read that I want to read desperately because life and, and like civilian life is much less balanced in my view. I can help you out with that. I will ship you off to somewhere where it's really hot and you have no personal internet connection. And all of a sudden, time will miracle itself for you. Exactly. And hey, Kyle, you don't even, hey, Kyle, you don't even have to leave the States for that, if you know. <laughs> I mean, I hear Palm Springs is lovely I, this time. Exactly. Of year. Exactly. <laughs> my, uh, my boss lives in Palm Springs by choice, by the way. And uh, I, I know it's crazy. Um, but he lives in the cool part. Yeah, and by Palm Springs, you mean not Camp Wilson. Right. I do mean not okay. Camp Wilson. Okay. I just record. want to, I just I want to throw that, that out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the real Pump Springs. Um, and and then I I also, the third part of my little equation here is I'm going to step directly over where Rich was because he brought it up and I just want to double tap it because don't let anyone tell you what your journey is. Um, I When I chose to put in my warrant officer package, I had people telling me there's no way you're going to get it. I don't know why you're wasting your time with this. And I remember looking around like, 
because this is what I want. Like this is I've I've looked around. I've chosen my options. I, I went through my OODA loop and my Marine Corps planning process of this. This is the option that is my main effort. And I got in on my first try, which is super rare, but happens. And I'm a statistic for that. And people were shocked and amazed and were like, oh, wow, that's a thing. And when I chose to get out, I had so many people coming to me and be like, this is a dumb decision. You're going to regret this. And again, look around like, no, I've, I've done the math. I've, I'm pretty sure this is going to be great. And it's been wildly successful for me. So I, I chose to leave the military for a humongous variety of reasons. The number one at the time was that I'm terrified of complacency. And I could see what my career path is going to be for the next three to five years. And it scared the heck out of me. Okay. Now, I mean, hindsight being what it is, it just would have taken me down a different path because of amazing, badass people like John and Rich here and a few others that are, are you know, deep mentors to me in the military space. But that's been a constant both blessing and curse to me is that I am constantly terrified of becoming complacent or becoming a tech dinosaur. I, I always want to be learning something new and adapting to what's going on and sort of figuring out how to best leverage my skills to help in, in whatever environment that it is. But if you keep listening to everyone else around you or what's in your best interests, it's going to be a really hard thing for you to branch out in your own. And, you know, everything has impact and everything has ripples in the pond, but I feel quite strongly that you'll know what's best for you. Oh yeah. No, I, I agree, Kyle. Um, so <clears throat> since I've gotten out, so when I retired, I was a data systems engineer. So virtualization, storage, email, those types of things, right? When I first joined the Marine Corps, I did networking, switching and routing. Mm -hmm. So what I will say is leading up to where I we got more heavy into the systems administration and engineering side of things, my networking background tenfold helped me understand and be able to plan and even troubleshoot better the systems issues, right? And so now that I have a choice to, to what I want to do for my next profession or my next chapter starting out, I am now a network engineer working for this company, right? And so like coming full kind of full circle back to being a network engineer, understanding the in-depth stuff of the system side is I think going to help me even more now in my new role as a network engineer for the role that I'm going to be playing with this company. Um, I'm gonna, I go in and I review what they already have in place and I say, okay, these are where you can make things more efficient. This is where you need to modernize and upgrade or update your systems. But then this is also the systems that are proprietary of the information that you're collecting. This is how we can actually in, actually integrate this into the network even better and make it even more secure now too, right? So I've kind of full circled back into a more up, up to date network role. And so what am I going to do now? I'm going through and I'm learning my new, I'm learning CCNA right now. And looking at taking my certification exam here in the next month or so, but the new version of CCNA, not the stuff that I was learning five, six years ago, right? Like the new one, because they do a lot more of automation and yep. coding within CCNA now, like doing a lot of JSON. It is ridiculous. If you haven't looked at any of the new CCNA curriculum, it's it's actually really cool. They get in a lot of some automation and stuff too now, close to the end. They do a lot of wireless stuff as well too. So. I'll say this, that even in my hiring today, and I run a big team, uh, if someone has a networking background, odds are they're going to be a higher caliber candidate. It, it, yeah. It's very Boolean to me. Like the ability to troubleshoot a network teaches you skills that are very oh. difficult to grasp outside of that environment. Oh, 100%. Like if, because that was the framework that we built the systems administrators on was networking. 
when I, especially as 51s and 56s, that was their framework. That was what they, mm-hmm. that was their foundation was networking. And yep. then they would go into the system stuff. Now they just really do, they do some networking now or trying to integrate it back into the curriculum for systems, but learning it, I think at a more in-depth level and then building on top of that definitely is what helped me out tons in my career, especially in the most recent years as, as a chief officer, definitely has helped me out the most, I think. Um, but no, I completely agree with all three of you on all those things. You got to be able to know yourself, what you need to get better at. Be humble enough to be able to admit that to not just yourself, but everybody around you as well. Because just like if you're humble enough to them and let them know, they're going to trust you enough to let you know what they don't know. Because nobody, that's definitely one thing I've learned too, like especially when it comes to senior enlisted and senior officers is you don't want to look like the guy who doesn't know their job. Right. Like you don't want to be that staff sergeant or that gunny or whatever coming off a of recruiting duty and you don't know your job or you don't want to be the captain or whatever that just came off of being a series commander down at the depot and doesn't know how to be a combo anymore. Right. You don't want to look like that guy, but you also don't want to look like the guy that's just telling people what to do and then not being able to actually validate that things are being done the right way. Right. Because then you're just going to get the wool pull over your eyes and they're just going to slide everything by you, and then you're going to get punched in the face for it, right? So, next thing, uh, out of your time, and in for Kyle, whether it be in service or outside of service, what has been the your probably your favorite project or subject that you've worked on or worked with, and then why? So, you guys, and Kyle specifically, uh, massive Thunder Steelers here, as I... I just love route switch stuff. Like there is nothing more fun (laughs) than that. You can walk into any given scenario and say, I could do it differently than that. Not necessarily better, but you can look at everything and be like, huh, that is probably not how I would have. If I went into an interview and Kyle handed me a marker, that's not what I would have drawn. And to me, that is wildly interesting just walking into Rich's, Kyle's, whoever's networking environment. And how did you set this up? Why did you do it? And then also uh, to John's point, because this cuts both ways, you don't want to be the enlisted Marine or God forbid the chief warrant officer who doesn't know their job, quote, quote, I'm air quoting, doesn't know their job. And some of the things that are going to get told to the unrestricted officers also massively fascinating and how quickly how quickly you can pick that up uh definitely something that is gonna make life interesting for you i know it it was a while ago now and there are technologies that help you with this like sdn and whatever um but i one of the most one of the most entertaining questions for me was always hey how many WAN connections do you have? And everybody always has more than one because you have to for redundancy. <laughs> and it's like, cool. Are you guys load balancing? And they're like, absolutely we are because they know that's the right answer. And then you're like, cool. Can I talk to your chief warrant officer and hear how you did that? Yeah, and then like yeah. watching the panic wash over everyone's. <laughs> that's right. What's really entertaining is the unrestricted officers are like, absolutely you can. And then you you look at the enlisted Marines and you can watch them like, swivel their head to the chief <laughs> officer and then you can see the chief officer like sir we should probably go over here outside of earshot if anyone else as i discuss the nuances of this we have no idea how to do that uh it's really entertaining um 
so I, I love the route switch stuff and it's always so interesting being able to improve that because it's almost like any fighting position where you can always throw more sandbags for extra protection. You can always make the route switch easier. Uh, I used to think it was, you could make it better by layering more fancy features on there. And now I think you can make it better by iterating towards simplicity and there is an elegance in being able to get so simple. Uh, and I, I definitely would not have appreciated that uh, in my initial studies. John, I, th I think that there's a certain art that goes into network architecture and design that is sometimes, um, it's hard to replicate that, right? Like database architecture and design is less artful. It's, this is my opinion. I'm sure there's a DBA out there that's table flipping right now, but um, <laughs> I just think that the network is is this incredible, usually living, massively changing, has to be able to adapt to all sorts of changes that are far outside of your control and, and outside of your area of influence, that there's a beautiful art to seeing a well-designed network and also knowing that there is no end. You're never done designing your network. You're constantly in an adaptation phase, constantly in an improvement and evolution phase. No, I definitely agree, Kyle. I, I, I think you I think you hit it right over that is it's like driving into a city and you're like, why are why is this a one way street, but this one is only going like halfway down, then turns into a one way street, right? The network is the same way. You can go into it and be like, Okay, I can kind of see why they did this, but but again, maybe they did it for a certain reason. Who knows? And everybody has a, has a different thought process on how to get the, get those things working and, and how to to interlock those two together. But no. It, simplicity, 100%, John, I think is probably one of the biggest things that, one, it's because if you make it so advanced and so complex that the ones that are the real ones that are actually working on it day in and day out can't actually troubleshoot it without you being there, then what good does it even have them being there to work on it day in and day out? You might as well just be on 24-7 at that point. Right. Like that's the way I look at it in my, in my opinion. Right. That's, that's John Cole's opinion for this one. But no, I, I think simplicity is probably one of the big ones as far as networking. And I love networking too, because it's, it's a lot of times it's black and white when it comes to troubleshooting, unlike doing like system stuff, like a laptop, for instance, regardless of the operating system, it doesn't even matter the operating system. Oh, it, it overheated and it froze. Okay. Well, why? Okay. It could have ran our RAM. CPU could have overheated. It could have been a number of things, right? It could be like five different things, but hey, I can't go from this laptop out to the internet. Okay. Oh, I can't get to my default gateway. That's why I can't get to the internet. Okay, well, why can't I get to my default gateway, right? It, it, it's really black and white it, it, and it definitely helps you look through and do a tiered kind of way of troubleshooting to get to the root cause of what's going on. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys, like, it's perfect. Just team me up for amazing <laughs> things. So I would say, so John came out, I was like, boom, route switch. You know, this is my my jam, man. This is what I do. And, and by the way, he does. I mean, I drove, what, what, 13 hours, John? So six and a half down to Camp Lejeune from the National Capital Region and then back. Yep. John could have talked route switch <laughs> and not the same topic the entire time. And Probably I, without and I breathing. Just, yeah. And, and I would have just listened and took notes. Right. Uh, but, but uh, so my, what I'll say uh, the favorite things that I work on kind of, kind of fall into three bins and I'll talk about one thing. 
Um, and I promise I'll be, be quick here, but, uh, so the first bin, what I, what I've found that I love to do, and I mentioned it a little earlier, like I like to be involved in trying to solve problems. Other people can't solve, um, just wicked hard problems just to, just to call it that. And I think John and Kyle kind of know me by now, like, um, so, and I don't know why, um, I just really enjoy, I think doing something that everybody else says one is hard and then shy away from, uh, or, or two, normally those are problems that mean something to people, right? Because it's an intractable issue that they're trying to solve and, and they need people to help them with that. So, uh, so that's that kind of the first bin, right? The second bin is kind of extrapolating or next step from that is I love to get involved in design, right? So, before, when I was doing more technical things, um, dance and, you know, uh, on keyboard, it, I loved just like building something and seeing the result of what I build, right? Like that was like the satisfaction. Like I did a thing, it resulted in something that somebody else used or thought was meaningful and that was great. Now I like to kind of go to the whiteboard like John and Kyle and design the solution to a problem and watch that change over time through inspect and adapt iterations, right? Um, and so that that was, uh, you know, the kind of the second bit. And then the third one is what I've real, realized on the leadership side of the house is every person, I think, who goes into a leadership role, um, and what I really liked about Amazon is the way they referred to leadership, right? It was more, you're a people leader, right? Than a, I'm a manager, right? Or I'm a, you know, it was like your job is to lead people and you just do that at echelon, right? At different, at different like levels. And so uh, my point in bringing that up is I found building teams, like the ones that solve really hard problems is like been an amazing passion of mine. And, uh, you know, so I, I just, I really enjoy that, you know, watching dedicated, talented people. Well, one, trying to recruit them, which is a non-trivial mm, task, right? Yes. To, to help with a problem. Uh, because if you can, if you can recruit a really smart, dedicated person to come solve a problem with you, that says something about, you know, the type of problems you're working on. And then two, generally, I think people are like, yeah, that's a person that's not going to give up and I want to work with him or her. Right. So, um, so anyhow, those were kind of like the three bins of work. And then the, the one thing that I could be like, Oh, boom, route switch, like John, I've really enjoyed coming back to the Marine Corps and trying with every fiber of my being to get the Marine Corps to adopt some sort of DevOps model, right? And, and I remember when I talked to Kyle about this, I mean, that's why we, we call our cast the Phoenix cast, right? We're huge, the Phoenix Project fans, you know, and I guess where I'm going with all this is that I don't expect the Marine Corps to commit code every two minutes, Right. Like I, that's not what I would expect on day one of DevOps things. Right. But like we're t John and Kyle, like we're talking just last week, we are talking about software factories in the Marine Corps. We're talking about IDEs that people have on their laptops and potential places where they can put code in a code repo and then deploy that code through testing into production. Like, I know that to, maybe the listeners are like, oh my God, you guys are knuckle draggers. Like, what is wrong with you? This is 2022. <laughs> and you're talking about like the basics of setting up a pipeline. 
like it's the Holy Grail. But I will tell you that that's really what I've enjoyed the most is kind of trying to bring the Marine Corps into this DevOps model and then getting to like a security, you know, layer on top of it. And yeah. Don't, don't think about too much knuckle dragging there, Rich. Just, I work with a lot of companies and I see every possible type of spectrum of maturity when it comes to DevOps and deployment pipelines and security and CICD and you name it, right? Um, there are still plenty of companies out there deploying code with bash scripts. I promise you. So, you know, you're not alone, brother. Bash script, <laughs> no repo, caution no. to the wind. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Test on prod, <laughs> test on prod. Yeah. But, but you guys love it though, from like a route switch perspective, because you're like, oh, outside the network, VPN in, hit jump box, boom, I can deploy some code, you know, connect it all up. Um, yeah, anyhow, um, sorry for ranting. That but, sounds uh, terrible for the record. I want <laughs> to commit my code to GitHub and have all the rest happen magically. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, Rich, I, I think that makes a lot of sense too. Like having a true DevOps process, you, you could take that kind of process with anything and incorporate it into how we plan technical solutions um, from a from a SPEES perspective, right? From like the chief officer side of things and how we plan and, and go from plan to implementation, right? And then we get and start doing some some modernizing and updating and control and stuff like that to our code. And I, th I think that's a big thing. I think that's a mindset that still needs to get down. I think some at some levels have that mindset. I think just getting it thought about at older levels, if you would, right? That, mm -hmm. that, that senior men, like mental um, piece, as far as in the Marine Corps goes, I think at the, the younger, the younger Marines, I think are, are starting to get, to grab onto that. I think it's just getting the, the old dog, teaching that old dog, new tricks, right. It, with lack of better words. Um, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not saying that's, that's going to be everybody, but I think that's really what's going to like to get it across the board from everybody. Mm -hmm. I think that might be probably one of the bigger ones, I think. I think, yeah, be, I, I think that's something important to do. Yeah, I, I think too that, you know, there's there's two parts of that too, right? There's like the mechanisms and the cool tech, right? Mm -hmm. That needs to be put into place to make something like that work. But then as you mentioned, there's the cultural aspect of it, right? Like just doing things on short cycles, reducing risk, all that kind of fun jazz that you read about mm -hmm. in like the DevOpsy books. But like when people see how a small team can bring a lot of value iterating over time. I think that's awesome. And I know John's probably his legs probably shaking. Like he would say about me, he wants to say something, but uh, I'll turn it over to you, brother. Yeah. I just wanted to add to what Rich was saying and, and Kyle, you know, saying, Hey, a bunch of knuckle draggers or whatever. There is a shockingly large community of practice in the DOD around DevOps. So don't yep. think that you are alone. If you are, you know, Lance Corporal out at, you know, one, two or something along those lines, like there are people DevOpsing. So search them out. They will help you accelerate your efforts. Do not lose hope. The, what, what is it that not, not the revolution, the, the resistance, the resistance is active. So just seek them out. You will find them. The rebellion. <laughs> yes. I'll say when it comes to like a challenge perspective or, or, you know, the favorite things that I get to do, I think the people problems are my favorite, uh, which is weird. Like I'll always be in love with the tech, right? I'm always trying to find new and weird ways. Um, 
we we got this like indoor hydroponic tomato growing system uh last year uh as a christmas present that's it's tomatoes. actually really mm-hmm. no seriously i mean <laughs> like it's look it up it's called the let us grow farm stand swear to god like everybody check this out it, Zoe looks, like, it looks like tomato plants right it looks like a weird spaceship weird thing it's gigantic it sits in the corner of our uh kitchen it's um so, it was, so route really- switch uh devops and tomatoes <laughs> and to- that, those are your answers exactly. yeah but like you know I, i'll always be in love with the tech i'm currently trying to figure out how to get a raspberry pi to do automated uh ph and micronutrient testing so that i don't have to test it with the stupid so there's little the tech there's the tech. yeah exactly there exactly. it is <laughs> trying to get the raspberry pi Right. I want to take this ridiculous hydroponic tomato garden system and I want to bolt a Raspberry Pi to it because everything is better with a Raspberry Pi bolted to it, in my opinion. Right, right. right. And, you know, if I can get the whole system to run on K3S so that I can run Kubernetes, even better. Um, (laughs) So the tech side of it, I think I'm fascinated by the tech every single day. I've sort of lost my luster for being fascinated by the tech every day, but it doesn't minimize the fact that I am 100% fascinated by the tech every day. I've just... I've just become very comfortable being shocked and amazed that something new has come out and is amazing. I always think about if I could go back in time and talk to me when I was in Iraq racket and stacking, you know, the the little tactical cases and like installing windows. uh, I think it was NT service pack six. You know what I mean? Like it was just on physical servers. Yeah. On physical servers with the CDs. On hardware. Yeah, exactly. If I could go back and be like, did you know you're going to be able to run a Ansible script or hit some Terraform reply and be able to launch fleets of pre-configured VMs already authenticated with no need to activate licenses. You'll never swap a hard drive again. You'll never plug in a Cat5 cable again. Like it would have been literal magic. I'd have said, go away, you crazy person. What are VMs? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But the people problems to Rich's point, I think are the ones that fascinate me the most these days. And I'll take it from two angles. First, Getting to lead a team of high performers is one of the most challenging and rewarding things on the planet. Full stop, right? Like I have 27 people on my team that are all very senior, very experienced. And it is the ultimate pleasure of my professional life that I get to to lead them every day in helping guide their careers, helping mentor them, help them find challenging things to work on. It's awesome. And on the flip side of that, uh, convincing a company or convincing someone whose synapses generally crystallized when VMs were cool that the cloud can help them and that the cloud can help them solve their business problems. And then actually navigating a sales process, a, you know, financial planning calendar, uh, aligning internal technical resources, getting the server huggers to not hug as hard, you know, helping people get their certifications internally and doing this on a chessboard with, with a literal hundred pieces on it, right. Is an incredible mental exercise in both patience and sort of um, influence. And I find that to be extremely fun. It's my favorite part of my job is working with customers and helping them sort of figure out how they're gonna plan all these things and take advantage of this stuff because it is it is literal magic. Going from on-prem to cloud is still literal magic for many people and with everything that comes along with having a magic wand. So to, to Kyle's point that I wanna add here, the inertia to stay with what you are already doing is oh. massive. Yeah. Like, yeah. do not underestimate just how entrenched uh, people, processes, and things can be. And working to improve or iterate is going to be seen as heresy. That's right. And and oh, yeah. I love the rocket metaphor for this exact topic, John, which is, you know, gravity, gravity is a thing, right? And gravity will hold you on the planet. 
And you've got to get, I think it's Delta V, right? Delta V is the actual rocket term, which means the amount of thrust you need to escape the bonds of gravity. And so we talk about having enough Delta V with customers all the time. Like, do we have a chance at this? Like, or are we just sitting there, you know, with the little model rockets that you get from the store and they're done? Or do you have enough to actually get into the space? I like, I like that. That's a, I like that analogy. That's a really good one. I don't think I've ever heard that analogy before, Kyle. Listen, anything with rocket ships and automobiles, you can apply to cloud and technology. It is the most useful metaphors that you can use, in my, in my opinion, having done this a lot. <laughs> if you stick to rocketry and automobiles, everyone's on board. Everyone's on board. And every now I and then, heard, tomato hydroponic that. gardening with raspberry pies. But that's neither here nor there. Or hydroponic gardening with things that look like tomatoes, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> tomatoes, yeah. No, no that, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, see, yours kind of came back with both of theirs kind of incorporated together. Not necessarily networking exactly, but like the cultural aspect of how people think about things, right? And, and trying to change the way they think and see things. So like, hey, look, like, no, like, if we stick in this old way of doing things, yes, can we still operate? 100%. Because you've been doing it yep. already up to today, yep. right? But how can we make it more efficient? How can we make it more cost effective? Right? Those are the big, those are the big things that, that getting people to understand and it just not being buzzwords that people are throwing around because that happens yeah. a lot of times too. So I, I, I was, I break that down, man. Like I can ride a horse to work if I want. Right? It's good. It, absolutely. Like, you know, my office is like 25 miles from my front door. Like I could ride a horse, right? Like that, that is that a thing that can might happen. be more cost effective today, actually. It, it may be more cost effective, <laughs> but time, time is a thing, right? right? Time and is, what if time I, is of an essence, right? That's right. And what if I get halfway there and realize I forgot my wallet? Well, oh, ah, there's opportunity costs all over the place. So, yeah. mm. you know, modernization is never easy, but you got to start looking around and say to yourself, <laughs> what's going to happen there? And just the ability to change someone's mind that is that is a skill that is a big oh, gigantic skill is. yeah, yeah and if you can change the mind of those above you in the chain of command right like um <clears throat> officers um <clears throat> you know I, no chief foreign officer has ever had to experience this problem but if you mm -hmm. if you do it's a good skill what are some things that you've taken that you would like to give and kind of return that in favor back to somebody else listening to help them either one make a big decision in their life, right? They either stay in or get out, or if they've already made that decision, how, what, what kind of advice would you give them to, to help carry them into the next chapter or that next phase of where they're at? Okay, so I'll take this two different ways. So one, how, how do you help make the choice? I think you need to be careful about the grass is always greener. There are a couple things that are, are clear and finite. Like if you want to grow a beard like that, that is clear. Yes, you can do that outside of the military. Uh, pretty much not within unless you're in the Space Force, apparently. But and like John mentioned, like he got to go away this weekend and he didn't have to go into an automated system and request to be able to stay at his house or drive out of town or whatever. So there are a couple things that are clear cut. However, I think people generally oversimplify oh, I'm going to get out of the military and I'm not going to have to deal with these shenanigans and people. Correct. And like, ooh, wrong. Or uh, one of the things, we, play, we pay a lot of lip service to this and it really annoys me because senior officers do this all the time. Like, oh, he's off to bigger and better things, to greater things. Uh, shenanigans. The DOD is ginormous. <laughs> Our networks are very complicated, complex, and nuanced. 
you can get all the technical challenge that you want in the military. Come find me, by the way. If, if you're having a hard time and you think you have mastered it all and you haven't been shown enough, I'm not a hard guy to find. I will give you some challenges. Uh, so they exist. It's not that they're not there. And they're there in the military. They're there in the civilian world. You're going to have organizational challenges in the civilian world, just like you do in the military world. So I don't want you to grass as green or this to where, oh, everything will just be lovely as I get out. And even the financials are not the same. There are a lot of kind of hidden benefits that you get through the military. So it's not such an easy decision. Uh, but you also aren't locked in for, I don't know, three years at a time, especially if you're an enlisted Marine to where if you make, if Kyle makes a terrible decision, he can be like, what, two weeks and he's out. Uh, th that is, that is some, the, the ability to kind of career iterate is something that's super easy. So ha having said those couple things, like don't grass is greener. It don't just take off because the last duty station was the best. And this one is terrible. And I'm out of here. Make, make a real decision about what it is that you want to try to do and have a real purpose as to why it is that you need to do this. The military gives you a massive amount of options and challenge and, and freedom and freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly, like I, I know that yes. most people wouldn't say, but, but a ton of freedom. Yeah. So Wait, I, hold on. I'm, I'm lost. I'm pretty sure that people think the military gives them freedom, Kyle, or protects it. Not not that not America. Okay, I had to say it. I had to say it. Yeah, we're not we're not talking red, white, and blue. No, no, that's right. We are in the air. Sorry, don't start playing country music on me now. Okay, back to John. Sorry, sorry guys. Lifted trucks. Yeah. So definitely don't oversimplify that, and don't think that you can't have a challenge in the military. So those things are all going to be there, and you have to perform. The the whole hey, well, I'm just around and I'm not really finding my groove or I'm going to sit back here and coast, like you are going to find yourself without a paycheck uh, in, in some of those scenarios. So, you know, be careful about what you're asking for here and, and come in with a plan of what it is that you want to get. Um, I'm staying in the Marine Corps as long as I am enjoying myself. Uh, I I have pretty much from, I've been dual income the entire time I've been in the military. I could walk away at any given time. Uh, and I have chosen to stay because I have been enjoying myself, mainly because the people that I get surrounded by. I did some time with industry. I got surrounded by uh, amazing, awesome people. So it's not that they're not out there in the civilian world, but there's just something different about showing up to work and being surrounded by Marines. And, and that is something yes. you should not take lightly because finding that is not as easy as you would think it is. And, and John, I, I have to add two cents and interrupt here as, as the one person who's been out long enough, I guess, because I'm not going to give you too much credit yet, John, just because uh, <laughs> what, what you're, you're at like week six out, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got out in 2013. I tell people this all the time. I miss Marines every single day of my life, every single day of my life. When I go to work, I've hired numerous Marines. I love working with them. I love interacting with them it is the closest thing that I've got. And I feel like I have been, uh, you know, imagine massive air quotes in the air right now, but I've been looking for a place that gives me the feeling of working with Marines since I left the Marine Corps. And I've not found it. It's as simple as that. So when you see the grass is always greener uh, to John's point, I don't know about that. And John, I, I also want to add in there, 
every time I hear some first sergeant say so-and-so is off to bigger, better things, I'm like, how do you know? How do you know? Everyone who Dude. says bigger, yes. better things actually has no idea what they're actually talking about. And it's just their way. It's greener or not. It, it right. makes me no so clue. it makes me so angry. Yes. There's often big, big, bigger and better things. And there's like, oh, they were too smart for the military. And it's like, <laughs> right, right. Like, wait, what are you saying right Dude. now? Exactly. Like, you're way off the mark. No. I, I think that is a smokescreen for we have absolutely no idea what they're going to do. And it could be very terrifying for them. And and no one just wants to admit that at someone's going away party. So that's what they say is bigger, better things. It's just it's a it's the you know putting on the fancy gloves to say I don't know. I hope this guy's not doing karate on Western Boulevard. In a couple of days. <laughs> yes, is that yes, what you're saying? Exactly. <laughs> Cobra Kai. Yeah, I was just gonna add one thing. I think Kyle, you know, jumped in there. Um, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that um, coming back in the Marine Corps, I kind of heard a piece of advice that I think is is worth pushing as far as we can every time we you know, ask a question like this. Um, so one of the general officers that we worked for before used to say all the time, you know, do, do you want to do something or do you want to be somebody? Right. And I thought that was a pretty insightful question, right? Because a lot of people have a hard time getting out of the service because they think, well, am I going to become the next Elon Musk? That's what I want to do. Right. Or, you know, but if I stay in, I could be a master gunnery sergeant, right? Or I could be, I could potentially be a chief one officer five, like the most unicorn of all unicorn things. I could be that person. And uh, the people that I meet, not all, by the way, because this never fits the bill, but generally the people I meet that are at those levels in the private sector, right? We're either like an SVP of a business unit, like, you know, the whole e-commerce platform for, for Amazon, or, you know, they're a, a four-star general in, in, in any service or an admiral, right. Um, or chief one officer five, um, chief one officer five, Granero, one of my favoriteest people I've, I met in a, when I was a second Lieutenant, um, all those people that are truly happy at that level are there because they did something. They, they wanted and were so passionate about doing something that eventually that stature caught up with them because they had to move through the cycle of their organizational growth, right? Because generally people get flung forward into positions that, that need leadership. So I would just say like, you know, think about that. You know, if, if you're making the decision to get in or sorry, get out or stay in or any other decision career-wise, like ask yourself like, am I doing this because I, I'm truly passionate and I want to do something or am I like, man, I want to, I want to be the person with all the stars on the shoulder. Right. Like, or I want to have all the rockers up and down both directions. Right. Like I think that's pretty impactful um, because if you truly care about what your, what your journey is, like Kyle mentioned, you generally um, align with the ladder. Like, what is it that I want to do? Rich, if I had a nickel for every like Marine veteran IT person that I have talked to who says, I want to be a CTO someday, because that's what they, they want to be a CTO someday. And I say, you want to talk to board members all the time and have to horse trade resources <laughs> between marketing and HR, and you want to have to figure out how you're going to fit budget to have an offsite. Like, that's what you want to do. And they're like, no, no, I, just, I want, yeah, there's like, I, I want to be a CTO. And I'm like, you, you need to stop. They go, what you want to do and then find that. I, um. If it, anyone listening to this cast so far, 
that is the thing that hit me closest to home right now is Rich's statement that he just said, find what you want to do and figure that out. There is a lot of dragons and depression and disappointment in chasing a title. Oh, yeah. It really, truly is. And like, you know, I, I don't want to be a four-star general. I also don't want to be a CEO. I don't. That is not for me. That's not the life and the do that I want to do every day. But there are some people who are exceedingly good at that. And I'm so glad that they are wanting those roles. But I, you know, know yourself and seek self-improvement, right? That, that is not what I want to do. And therefore I'm doing other things. No, yeah, absolutely. Right. Like says, so I, I, I once said that I wanted to be a first sergeant when I was a young Marine because I didn't know any better, right? Didn't know any better what that actually meant because <laughs> as a young Marine sometimes, at least as a young enlisted Marines, depending on the unit you're with, your first sergeant is the one that takes care of Marines. And I'm doing the air quotes, right? That takes mm -hmm. care yeah. of the Marines. And I wanted to take care of Marines. So I thought that's what I needed to be to do that. Quickly found out that's not the case. Yes, can you be a first sergeant and take care of Marines? 100% can, but I don't have to be a first one to take care of Marines, right? My, my, my career path and my journey in my career took me to be a chief officer too, and I took care of Marines as a chief officer too as well, right? Maybe they may not have worked directly for me, but I, I was there to influence. I was there to teach, and not just the junior enlisted, but the senior enlisted, the junior officers, the, the senior officers too, right? So it's not just, it wasn't the Marines that worked for me that I was taking care of. I was taking care of all Marines around me, right? So I even did more than what I originally wanted to do or wanted to be at, at the end of the day. So Kyle, what are some advices that you would give since you've been the one that's been out the longest out of all of us? And Rich, I think you I think you did a pretty good job on that too, saying, hey, getting out and then how you decided coming back in and like really what drove you on those. So Kyle, you being out, what is some advice that you give on somebody that is listening that has already gotten out and, and, and is trying to make a decision on what their next path should be? Or, or we can also kind of take this in a little different direction of if you could talk to 10 years ago, Kyle, oh, yeah. yes. would, you, would you, what would you tell that dude? Or would you be like, yeah. you were doing the right thing? <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, that's a good question, so John. 10 years ago, Kyle. All right. So first thing I would tell 10 years ago, Kyle, is buy Bitcoin and Dogecoin. <laughs> and the second thing I would tell 10 years ago, Kyle, is and sell it in 2021. <laughs> that's that's what I would do. Full stop. All right. No, just, um, weak. Yeah. Kidding. Not kidding. I would tell myself, go with your gut. To be 100% honest with you. Um, I think that the biggest problem that I think people have is that they think about these decisions when they're driving to work. Or they think about these decisions when they're sitting in line at the grocery store. They think about these decisions as they're laying down and getting ready to go to bed. And what I recommend to everybody is if you're going to make a big decision, you need to treat this like it is a project that you are planning. You need to sit down for dedicated hours, right? And you need to write things down and you need to sort of put together the five paragraph order, what you're going to do and what the pro con is and what's the ML COA and, you know, all these things, right. That you would do if you were going to say, should I attack this hill or not? I need to happen. And I think that there's a, there's an immense value in knowing yourself to that end, right? Like have somebody that you can talk to that doesn't have a dog in that fight. And, and, People talk a lot about getting uh, like executive coaches and career coaches and things like that. I, I think 
those are fine. But in the, at the end of the day, I think all you're doing is paying yourself to sit down and spend time dedicatedly thinking about it, which you could absolutely do with coffee or beers with a friend, right? And just tell them, yep. I'm going to buy you food. All I want you to do is listen and tell me when you think I'm being dumb. Um, you can get that done. It's the dedicated time to make decisions that I think we have sort of lost sight of. And I, I'm speaking colloquially, but just, you know, we all want the easy decision to happen in the time it takes us to write the tweet or to read the Reddit post or all those things. And the reality is that all these things take a lot of time to figure out. And the more you can sit down and sort of plan these things out and pro con them and figure out what the value is going to be. And you got to think on a big time horizon too. It's not five, 10 years. I think me getting out, right? Like I would have, uh, me and John talked about this not long ago. I would have hit my 20 year mark two years ago now. Wow. Right? And that would have been free healthcare the rest of my life. That would have been a dedicated paycheck the rest of my life. And on a short time horizon, for me, that that's like, ooh, that, that was a sobering moment to say, yeah, that's, that's, I've got, that's what I could have had. But I do personally, I know that I made the right decision that where I'm at now today is where I want to be far more than where I would have wanted to be with that, with the 20 years. But again, that is a very personal thing that, I, you know, we don't have enough hours in the day to go through all the decision-making that went into that process and all the influence factors, but spend the time. I think that's the key. Spend the time. It's, there's no rash decisions here. And do not let your emotions get in the way of this. You have to pull that out of it. Don't like your boss. Who cares? Is the job great? Like, is it letting you do what you need to do? Right. Company's not giving you a promotion fast enough. Okay. That is what tiny little thing. Oh, you can make 10% more money at some other company. Cool. What's the work-life balance? You know, there's, there's all these layers to it where nothing's simple ever. So Kyle, I want to push you a little bit here because you're hitting, you, you started with go with your gut and then you were like, analyze the crap out of it. Um, so one, I'm going to put you on the uh -huh. spot a little bit go and ahead. say, Hey, uh, right. you just, what, you chose my, two completely different. No, things. no, 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 no. Um, see, see, this is the thing. I didn't, this is the same thing for me because when I say go with your gut, what I mean is all that time I spent planning was your gut. worth it. Right. My <laughs> your gut. gut said, your gut yeah. said, analyze this forever. Look, look, okay. 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 Kyle, if you <laughs> Imagine my gut. Planned, you planned 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah. right? You would have probably like, you know what? Yeah, my gut says think about this for I do 10 need years. to get the 20, right? I do need oh, to get no, the no, 20, no. get the retirement, get the medical. If you had done this, instead of taking your gut and saying, nope, I need to get out. Well, hold, hold on. And again, I, I want to give my gut some credit here, okay? It, I want you to think of a, a stomach emoji holding a calculator with a pencil behind its ear, right? If, if okay, okay, it's a really smart gut. Numbers. It's a smart, analytical, smart thoughtful gut. It is the yeah. gut that did the math, right? And, okay. and this is my okay. point okay. is I was in a situation where I did the math and I was like, getting out is the right move for me. And everybody in my chain of command, lots of my peers around me were like, you are doing a really dumb thing right now. You understand that? Like, nobody does this. Whenever you hear someone say, nobody does this, you need to stop and you need to think because- there's two reasons. Nobody right. does this because they never come back out of the jungle alive or nobody does this because no, you know, we're all institutionalized <laughs> trying to stay, keep everybody else in too. Like, you know, there's ends of a spectrum you got to identify. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So two things come to mind. One, Caddyshack, where uh -huh. he's uh -huh. walking around and you're like, oh yeah, I, I once thought about, you know, being a park bench. You know, he's like going to <laughs> go and say, I once thought about everything. This is one of the traps I see Marines doing. No joke is they're like, oh, well, I'm going to spend forever thinking about recruiting DI. Do I go technical? Do I get out? Do I go MESEP? Do I go warrant officer? And like they spend all this emotional energy wrapping oh, yeah. themselves around all these different things. Yeah. And I think 
taking Kyle's kind of like gut and say, use your gut to pick one or two of those impactful things and then do the math. That will be really helpful because I've seen a bunch of Marines stew over too many options and just spend so much energy doing this to end up getting nowhere. So like, do not follow the Caddyshack model. No. And I'll add a layer to that really quick, which is if you do all this analysis, you still don't have a clear winner. It doesn't matter. Just make a choice. It's like, it's like Ansible or chef or puppet or salt. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter. Amazon GCP or Azure. It doesn't matter. Just start. Just Just start. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. I think one thing though, I would add in there guys, because I think, you know, if, if somebody was asking me, um, or if I was trying to give advice to myself, to your point, 10 years ago, one of the things I would say is um, people who generally read or train in some way. So if you think of reading as training your mind, just we'll throw that out there, right? Okay. Uh, in a I'm, specific I'm topic. Oh, yeah. Yep. In a specific topic. And you pick three books. One of the best pieces of advice I got from anybody is pick but three books on the same topic. You will be smarter than most of the SMEs that are on that, in that topic, right? So like, uh, and I, and that wasn't my advice. That was advice from a a guy that I met in Marine for life. So point number one, side note, right? If you're a Marine getting out, right? Generally, there are two ways to look at what you're doing, right? Like we already talked like about be something or somebody, but let's say you answered that question, right? So there's the job or career path I want to take. And then there's the location in which that play that career can start, right? And generally, that's usually the question people ask themselves, like, where do I want to go? Or what is the career path going to be, right? Um, and when, when I was trying to make that decision, I reached out to people in Marine for Life. And, and if you are a Marine, and you haven't looked at that organization, please, please do that. Um, and one of the people that I met in Marine for Life was this Marine that got out as a captain then just went and got hired as a barista at Starbucks and then made his way to like being a regional manager of multiple, you know, Starbucks installations in a region of of the country. And he was the one who told me like, Hey, trying to figure out what career path you want to go into. Cause for me, it was like, do I jump into this thing called cybersecurity or do I stay networking and design? Right. Or do I become a tech instructor? Right. So my, my point with all that is just like, read some things, man, read some things. And if, and if that is what's going to allow you to make the gut decision, not just because you magically know stuff, right? You did the research and then your gut decision comes from there. Rich, can I just also share with you that that is one of the most, um, one of the things that you've shared with me that has stuck with me that I have in turn shared with so many people. The read three books rule is basically how I learn new things now, which is a a really crazy application of it but it's the truth like you want to learn about um i did a whole thing about presentation skills for my company this year and executive presence and so i just literally bought the top three rated books on amazon on executive presence and i burned through all of them in about two weeks and i can talk about executive presence all day now and pick any topic doesn't matter what what it is go read three books it's wonderful magical advice i'm so glad you shared that with me man Hey, since we're going to go wonderful and magical, here's a really simple one that I see a lot of people missing. If your boss says, read a book, my recommendation is read that book. Read that book. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, it's, it's cool. real simple. Uh, and this one is missed frequently. 
there is a direct line that I can draw between books my bosses have read recommend that I read and the way they think. A direct oh, like there's absolutely. no detours. The line hey, doesn't gently curve. <laughs> Yeah, is it I, helpful to know how your boss thinks? <laughs> it may be the only thing that is actually important in your professional yeah. working career. I had a, I had a Read boss of mine one time. Read the book. Yeah, I had a boss uh, recommend Outliers to me, and it made it made me completely understand like their thought process. And like, because I was like, why are they even making decisions like this, or like even thinking about these types of things? Mm-hmm. I completely understood once I was done with that book. Great book. I, I, Great book, by the way. If, it, if you have, listeners haven't read that book awesome book great i was literally just trying to find it on my shelf but <laughs> I, I i have this terrible my, my wife hates this this terrible habit of buying books and giving them to other people and then just like rebuying the book and then giving it to another person i'm currently down a copy of outlier so adding to cart as we talk okay so no every single one of you has given a lot of good advice i will probably say you guys have given advice in a way that a lot of my other guests have not which i think is awesome because i don't like to have the same stuff just over and over again right like you guys have done a phenomenal job. Um, Rich kind of hit a little bit, did kind of like a an unplug plug of your guys' podcast, the Phoenix Cast. So I'm going to officially give that plug. And for the, the listeners who have not listened to that, I'm kind of going to put Rich and Kyle here on the spot. Um, Rich, if I could get a knife in, and then Kyle, if I could get a hot hot take. <laughs> so Rich, I if love you could give a knife. In, yes, let me get a knife yes. in if I could, please. Uh, the knife hand moment. Uh, so I'll tell you, I read. One of the, I like sharing things that I read um, that are most current, like, like, what did I read over the past, you know, 48 hours? And, and I will tell you, even though it was, um, you know, a federal holiday for the Juneteenth uh, event, I will say this much. Um, I read a, uh, an article and then listened to a podcast by um, Adam Grant and Satya Nadella. So, you know, the CEO of Microsoft and probably one of the most innovative thinkers of our time in Adam Right. Uh, and, and one, there was two things that jumped out at me. And I think that they, I could relay them from what everybody's talked about on this cast. Right. The, the first one is like how we're doing work is different now. Right. And not just because of the pandemic, it's different. And so I would, I would tell you that in your career path, my knife hand moment would be to Kyle's point earlier, you need to define that. Right. The different way in which people are working. If you're a job seeker right now, define what it is you want your journey to be and go after it with all kinds of grit and gusto that you know as a U.S. Marine, you bring to the table in in, in spades, right? And then I think the, the other thing that um, kind of came out of that um, article and podcast that I read is uh, that they talk about physical space still being the ultimate collaboration tool. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, you know, with all this remote work, you know, because John, you mentioned remote work. Uh, what I will tell you is like, however you find your way to connect with other people in the world, relationships are important in many, many, many different aspects. So my knife hand moment would be, you know, figuring out what you want to do or who or what you want to be. Talk to other people about that whether it's listening to a podcast and engaging in the show notes or like some sort of sidebar community conversation. Um, but talk to other people and it doesn't have to physically be in person, but, you know, use all of the greatness that are these route and switch networks that we build right in the current day and age to have a conversation with people. Cause that's, that's what's going to help you out to, to make that decision. So that those are my two knife hand moments. Sweet. Thank you. 
All right. So uh, I'm going to piggyback on on Mr. Schreiner on this one, which is to say the grass is not always greener, right? And oftentimes it can feel like it is, but everything's green. Like everything's green if you want it to be, right? Like I have had many yards in my life die because I suck at watering the grass. Like I really, really do in, in like true literal senses. I suck at watering the grass. So I automate everything that I possibly can to make sure the water flows and that I you know pay someone to come put fertilizer on it and do all these things. If you put the effort in, everything's green. And you got to decide which type of green do you want? Do you want a temperate environment or do you want, you know, a, a rainforest or do you want coastal palm trees? Like all these things are choices and there are no bad ones in this if you're willing to put in the work. But if as soon as things get hard, you go, screw it. It's got to be better elsewhere. You're setting yourself up for a real bad time for a long time. So um, anyway, my hot take is just, you know, make a list and then trust your gut after your <laughs> gut has had a chance to chime in on the list. There it is. <laughs> I like it. Appreciate it, guys. John, do you have anything to add or anything to close out with? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big fan of paying it forward. So I think it's really helpful as, as people think through these things. And I think a lot of the vein of your podcast is think about the tech, but also think about the options and what other people are experiencing. And so I know another podcast I've been listening to, The Art of Network Engineering. And I found that super helpful because they are non-military people. I don't think they've had a military guest on yet, but they're thinking through and considering the same types of things that I think you're talking to your audience about. And so it's super helpful to hear someone experiencing something similar to you, but not the same and how they go about thinking about that. Uh, so I think you'll get a bunch out of your, your listenership going over to the Art Event uh, Network Engineering podcast and taking a listen there, see how they talk about finding different jobs and uh, you know, upskilling the different skills that they have or culture or whatever, uh, and use that as part of your gut refining process uh, to Kyle's point. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll make sure and add that into the show notes too. And then I'll add the link to, to your guys' show as well, the Phoenix cast into the show notes as well. John, Kyle, Rich, guys, thanks for taking the time coming on, man. It's been a blast talking to you guys. Um, hope we can do this again sometime. Uh, I, I definitely enjoyed the conversation. Is there any last pieces that anybody wants to add on or close out with? Uh, Semper Fidelis, enjoy your retirement. Absolutely. And thanks for having us on. It's been a blast. No, absolutely. It's awesome. Thanks. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to another episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed this, took something out of it, and learned a little something. I will make sure and have their information for the Phoenix cast in the show notes and also the, the one that John had mentioned about the art of network engineering. I'll make sure and have that one in the show notes as well. And then also a link to the book Outliers that we had uh, discussed. And again, I really hope you guys enjoyed the show. And as always, be the light in someone's dark.